0: Hey folks, it's Blamo, I'm Jeremy Kirkland, and I'm back from vacation. I am, look at me, here I am. Well, don't look at me, you can't. But uh, I had a nice vacation. I hope you all got some time off, or you got to do something. I did the whole unplug thing, you know? Like, I didn't check email, I didn't respond to it. I didn't really pay attention to the text messages. I just, I put the phone on DND, I just walked away. It was amazing. I I didn't work at all. I did not work, and I'm very proud of that. I think it's the first vacation I have had in, I don't know, a decade where I just didn't work. I just sat there. Um, but I had my kids with me. So vacation with kids, you know, it's a little bit different. You are you know, I'm riding planes while they're screaming, making bottles. At Look, at one point, my family and I were shuffling around Atlanta Airport looking for a plug to heat up a bottle because my son was losing it. And a little homie wanted a hot bottle. Look, I get it. I get it. This guy. But regardless, if you ever see a family traveling, just know that they're all struggling. It is a shit show to travel with kids, especially on airplanes. Jeez Louise. But there were a few times I got some solitude, and uh, all of it was listening to the new Beach Fossils record. I mean, good Lord. It's a band I've loved for years. I don't know if it's because we're about the same age, but the music that Dustin and the crew always write, I mean, it's its always what I want to hear when I want to hear it. I mean, it's just like, its it's the right stuff at the right time. Their new album, Bunny, was just released this weekend. And yeah, I'm serious. I've been listening to it nonstop. And yes, this week Dustin Paiser, founder and vocalist for Beach Fossils, is on the pod. Wild. Who knew, right? This was a really, really enlightening interview. And it's not just because the songwriting discussion or the clothing philosophy or even the poetry deep cuts. Dustin, he just went there with me. And that's not something that everyone does on the pod. You know, you can hear it on some episodes. Some people they don't really want to go there, but he did, and we did. Dustin and I discussed their new album, bunny, how becoming a parent affected his songwriting, why he doesn't wear jeans anymore. Yeah, I know. Kind of wild loving black Timberlands, the beach fossil songs that won't get released getting wild on tour and his love of poetry. It's all in there. Let's dive in. Here we go. Thanks for making the time. I, uh, I've heard the album like a bunch of times, and it's it's really, really, really good.
1: Oh, thank you, man. Thanks.
0: Yeah. Would um. I mean, we can like kind of go all over the map here, but um, is this the first full album you've done as a dad, or was that your last one?
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny though because we take so long making records. I always take a really long time. Um, I don't necessarily know why. I think it's because like I don't care how long it takes, I just want to make something that I'm proud of. So, the majority of this record was actually written and recorded before I was a dad. Oh, um, but all of the lyrics were written after I was a dad because the way that I work is like I just I just do instrumentals all the time. I'm just constantly working on parts of songs. Like I'm not even really focusing on writing songs. It's just little pieces at a time. So it's like some t- you know I'll Frankenstein things together and be like okay this can be a bridge this can be a chorus this can be a verse like I have folders like full of ideas it's almost like my own sample library or something so I like piece everything together and I'll kind of like re-record it you know so like the key matches and the tempo matches right um and then in the end I've got like a ton of instrumentals that need lyrics so I just like what I did was I sat down here in the basement for two weeks and I really didn't leave or go anywhere. All I did was just like drink tons of coffee and just write lyrics nonstop. And as soon as I write something, you know, because I'm writing it right here. Mm -hmm. I got my mic right here next to me, exactly where I'm sitting now. I'll write the lyrics here. I'll turn, I'll record it in the mic. I'll write the next line. (laughs) Like, it's a real just like... You know, it's almost like how people demo, except for me, there's never really a demo version. It's like the demo version is the final product, it's always like a work in progress.
0: Did you go to like music school or
1: anything or no? Just, or I'm just sure just my urban method outfitters? Is like really fucked up. Yeah. I like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have no training on like playing instruments or recording or anything. It's all self-taught. So I'm sure there's a lot of stuff I'm doing that's like not traditional, but it's just what works for me.
0: No, that's uh well, cause what you're doing, uh, you know, Rico Cassic. well, I mean, he's dead now but um the dude from the cars oh okay yeah yeah that was like how he would write songs um yeah like basically through like blips and little pieces here and there because i think for folks who are listening to all this like like some people you know you'll write a full song and then or like you have the lyrics already or like people like sufian you know like he'll all the lyrics are done and then they're he'll write a melody and then he'll just shift the words so it fits the melody more but i think like the little like the sample library thing is like pretty interesting um, yeah,
1: the idea of like sitting down with a piano or an acoustic guitar and just like coming up with the chord progression and just like singing along to it and coming up with lyrics that that's like so alien to me. I can't even imagine writing that way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you when when you're thinking of lyrics, though, like you said, you threw yourself down in the basement. Where are you at? Are you in New York? Yeah, I'm in Brooklyn. Okay.
1: Where, where are you in Brooklyn? I'm in
0: Bushwick. Okay. Yeah. And you so you're there with a the fam.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I've got like a little basement studio. So, you know, if it's like three in the morning and you know, the family's asleep, I can just be working on shit and I'm not bothering anybody. Oh my God. That's the dream. Yeah. It's, it's great. <laughs> so like,
0: what's the stuff that, I mean, cause how, how old is your, is your kid? She's almost three. Okay. So she, okay. So you, you got a girl. There you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have a five-year-old. Um, and Then we just had a boy in the summer, so he's, like, almost 10 months. Nice. But um, I'm always, like, super, super interested... Especially like people that like, I mean, we're probably around the same age. I'm I'm almost 38. And um, there's like, because you came from an era where I don't know how we want to label it, but was like the, the mid aughts or early or like late aughts era where it was like Brooklyn all of a sudden was like Seattle in the 90s. You had like every band that was popping at that time. There was this like real DIY stuff, but the music that was coming out of it like had way more melody and um, like way more depth and texture into it. But the songs and the lyrics were not as rich as what I think the stuff that you're writing is now more because of the life experiences that you have. And I'm not belittling those at all. But like as someone who's listened to you guys since, I mean, a decade off and on, I mean, shit, Um, the stuff you're writing now is like adult stuff. So I'm always like very interested in hearing musicians like write like adult situation music versus like, I met her at the bar, I was drunk, you know, we went home, you know, like that sort of stuff, like. How had how has that stuff changed your writing? Where you like you're you have a kid, you have you're married, you know. Like there's you you are in you own a label. I mean, what's right. that stuff been?
1: Um, you know, like early on, I never really cared that much about lyrics. Um, you know, I was listening to a lot of shoegaze music where the vocals are just like another instrument, you know, and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily what you're saying. It's more about just capturing a mood and a feeling. Um, And I love that. You know, I listen to a lot of instrumental music and, um, Get a lot of inspiration from that. So like who? Well, like jazz music. Okay. A lot of jazz music, a lot of ambient music. Um, you know, which just like is a huge, a huge mood. I mean, like I've literally cried listening to instrumental jazz music multiple occasions because it's welcome just so to the beautiful. show. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like who? Okay. Well let's let's go here. <laughs> uh, the first time was Miles Davis. Uh mm. I was just like listening to some Miles Davis and I was just like sobbing. I was just like, This is so <laughs> fucking amazing. It was just so moving, you know
0: yeah
1: Um, dude (laughs) yeah this is when I was like a teenager you know I was like only into hardcore punk and then I started listening to jazz and I was like oh my god this is like fucking mind-blowing you know yeah um (laughs) so you know I don't know lyrics I didn't really care that much and the thing is that's funny is like I love poetry and I am you know obsessive reader of poetry and you know my house is like full of poetry books and it's it's like one of my favorite forms of expression um but i always felt like putting great poetry to music doesn't really work because like poetry is so free that it can be absolutely anything it wants and it can be like so fucking crazy and out there and unhinged and it doesn't have to have any boundaries the second you start putting words to music, there's a lot of boundaries. And something that might look really beautiful on paper is going to start sounding really corny once there's music behind it. And it's not going to have the same meaning or feeling. So you have to be really careful with the way that you're wording things and the way that you're phrasing things. And even the way like the timing you know, because you could even use the same phrase, but the way that you're timing it is very important with how it works with the music, whether or not it's going to have the same meaning or feeling. Um, so, you know, I've always found lyrics to be kind of difficult, despite the fact that I'm regularly writing poetry and prose on my free time. Do you um, write poetry
0: outside of this that you're like, hey, that we're not I'm never going to put music on this?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, But sometimes that ends up being like the inspiration for lyrics, right? Because, like, if I'm listening to a song, um, I'll start, you know, reading through poetry that I've written and uh, I'll see certain lines and I'll be like, that expresses the feeling of this instrumental because that's that's kind of what i'm doing always is like since the instrumentals first Mm -hmm. i always want to do the instrumental justice by finding like what what is this emotion that this instrumental is giving um you know and and so if i'm scrolling through some of my own poetry i'll be like okay that line definitely expresses how this song feels and and try to build from that Oh damn!
0: Who do you think is an example of someone that's making music now that really, really nails that? Like, I don't know. Like, Paul Simon is a lot of people's default, which who's a great lyricist or Dylan. But like, I feel like those dudes. I don't know. We, we only view them through like some of the best work ever. But like, Dylan and Paul Simon and other folks have also written songs that are trash. I just, yeah, you know, like,
1: <laughs> um, you know, honestly, like, I don't. I, I'm like, I'm really picky. And I personally don't really think there are that many great lyricists out there, at least that I know of. Um, And for the most part, I do listen to music for the music and not really for the lyrics. Yeah. Um, You know, like my wife was like, for this record, you should make your lyrics as personal as possible. You know, like get really detailed, make it really personal, make it less vague than your previous records. And I was like, that sounds great. I'd love to do that. Um, and so I sat down and I was like going through music that I like and listening to lyrics and being like, okay, how have other people done this? Mm -hmm. And, um, I was like, this all fucking sucks. (laughs) Like, (laughs) wait, who are
0: you listening to? That sucked.
1: Uh, you know, I don't want to get specific. I don't want to like anybody, but you know, it's like, it wasn't as impressive as I thought it was going to be. So I asked my wife to send me a playlist of like, because she listens to, to lyrics first. So it was like, make oh. me a playlist of your favorite songs with your favorite lyrics and send it to me. So she did. And um, I still wasn't really that moved. <laughs> <laughs> why not? What's, why is the bar so high? I don't think it's that the bar is so high. I think maybe it's because when I read poetry, I get a lot out of it. And I think, it. I mean, I'm sure that these artists could be great poets but again i think it's the limitation of mu- putting music with the lyrics it, it's just like there's so much structure that it's hard to say something in a concise way that's meaningful but i will say that two of the artists these might even be a little bit cliche but two of the artists that i did think were great uh, was phoebe bridgers and maddie healy from the 1975 i was like these are two people who are able to really say something in a meaningful and impactful way in a very few amount of words. Um, and so I thought... Do you know them personally? Uh, my wife was uh, Phoebe's a for a while. I don't know her personally. And uh, and uh Maddie is like, we have mutual friends and stuff. But
0: So but. I, I asked that because I think sometimes when we have a deeper relationship or some sort of less degree connection with an individual, like if we feel that we can empathize with them more. Because it's like... You yeah. know, like, when you listen to something like John Lennon, you know, and he's writing Imagine or whatever, the dude was rich out of his mind, Yeah, you know, like, th- there was, while there was an, uh, I use Lennon because it's an easy example, like, there was a desire to be, like, an advocate for the people, but, like, he's so far removed from reality at that point, you know, like, it, I mean, if he would have been protesting, you know, wars and stuff now, he would have had personal security around him, like, you know, so it, yeah. it's just, like, it's hard to take the weight of someone's words seriously when, the understanding that we have of them is basically this, like, I'm on a separate cloud.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sometimes I find it hard to listen to A lot of my friends music because I know them personally and it feels like almost too invasive, but it sucks because like, (laughs) (laughs) like so many of my friends actually like are in my favorite bands and I want to listen to their music. But I'm like, is this weird that I'm just sitting around like listening to my friends music?
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. That's
1: a good point. Actually, I never really thought about that.
0: I mean, I don't I I don't have friends on the scale that you have of like active current musicians, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of weird where you're like, man, I think, uh, I think I have a new thing to discuss the next time we're, uh, we're getting drinks. It's yeah, like, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I start, I just start totally punishing them.
0: Yeah. You're like, man, you know, that song there was, uh, it get, cause that's the worst thing, right? Like, especially for musicians where I feel like you can be criticized for a melody or a mix cut or, too much reverb or too little reverb whatever that is but when things when the criticisms be hit the lyrics you're like oh dude yeah that's that that's my life like that's it's cool that personal. you don't like yeah. my
1: my telecaster but <laughs> right yeah yeah like you know hate on the hate on the process or the, or the production or whatever it is but yeah the the lyrics is like okay well at this point you're just like hating on my personal life experience and my perspective of the world Yeah, right?
0: Well, so that's the interesting thing where like, I feel like people, especially now in like the social media era, where it's like, it's all about giving hot takes, hot takes are funny. But like, yeah, when when you clown on like a Destroyer album, right? Like Dan Behar, great lyricist, kind of wacky dude, you know, talented individual, but I'm like, am I belittling this dude's life? Like, and then what are the artists that are more or less invincible that you can clown on their lyrics? Because they're so like, like, I don't, there's nothing that Drake can say ever that is going to make me take him, you know, it's, it's going to make me empathize with him. I, there's it, it doesn't exist. It won't <laughs> ever happen. It's fine. But yeah, like I, I think about that a lot to where the vulnerability that musicians have, I think is incredibly um, unappreciated.
1: Right. That's why I've, I've never really liked, um, you know, kind of like music criticism because, you know. I don't know criticizing anyone's art in general it's like there's a big hurdle to jump over in your personal life to even get to the point that you're comfortable with making art Mm. and then even after that being comfortable enough to share it um you know, and it's like you know, it always starts as a hobby. It starts as something just purely out of love, and then you know, develops more and more from there. And then you put it out in the world, and it's no longer yours. And it's like you're just kind of like throwing it to the hyenas. And uh, well, especially when your art is what makes
0: a living, right? That's what yeah. that's what gives your your daughter the the organic strawberries and stuff. And it's like you know, like that. <laughs> that's that's a different thing. Um, when yeah, it's I almost use- like a
1: bad review is like a personal threat. <laughs> yeah, right? And it's tough because I,
0: I do believe that criticism is helpful when it's not empty, right? right? When it's like, hey, you know, I don't know, making this up, like, or I don't know, when you make when everyone talks about how all music is just way too over compressed. And like, when people try to leave more space and air and music like that's defined criticize that that's not a art criticism, more or less. But like, you know, John Caramonica and I talk about that all the time. He's the New York Times pop music critic. And he talks about how like some artists are like we're in this like post-criticism landscape uh, in the sense that some people where it's like you you don't need criticism anymore because you just, you know, you're, you're so big that you're like Taylor Swift is an, is an example of someone who you good reviews bad reviews it doesn't matter she's immune to everything um and so you know and now like what is the empathy that listeners have against them i mean it, it's she's just a whole other phoebe bridgers is approaching that if she's not there already right um yeah. but i think she's a more talented lyricist uh sorry shots fired but um <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i think you know um i do think criticism is important especially if it's constructive um I do also understand that there's fun and just, like, talking shit, especially if it's someone who's, like, massive and you can tell has, like, an ego that's completely out of control. Yeah. It's like, all right, let's, like, poke some holes in this because it's, like, it's good fun, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because why not? You know, like, Bono's never going to get bombed, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Uh, I was like, he's going to say Bono. He's going to say (laughs) Bono. (laughs) well that's just an easy one you know but uh you know i i don't know it's like but at that point it's like is someone on that scale even writing because they like have a burning desire to share their personal experiences or or is it just like a business and that needs to just keep churning out a product there i mean that's the million dollar question
0: um when i was recording and really trying to like go at it really hard i was chris walla who's not in Death Cab anymore, but at the time, uh, I think their their album on Atlantic had just come out. And so they were like, they were big. Um, this wasn't like um, photo album stuff. So um, I was talking to him about songwriting and he was like yeah he's like it's hard because you know you have we have the label and the A&R that wants to change this or change this and he's like the, the most successful musicians are the ones who can compromise their art the least and yeah. still make a living he's like but you can't you can't really make your art and not compromise on it to live off of it and that's something i don't know people some may disagree on but like that's something i think about a ton when you think about people that like yourself who make a living off of their music
1: right I think, I think I'm in like a lucky enough position that the compromises I make are very small and maybe even in some ways like symbiotic compromises mm. because it's like um, I never know what's going to resonate with people when I'm working on music. I mean, to me, it's like every song I put the same amount of myself into it. Um, and it's surprising to see which songs become really meaningful to people and especially if they're not Singles, you know, and it's like they're just Mm. on the album, and they become like a song that's a real moment in a live show, or a song that's like really killing it on streaming, and not because of like a TikTok thing, but because like people (laughs) are just genuinely getting into this one song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) and it's really cool because I see what is like moving people, and that can help me like understand where I can explore more on the next record. Um, because I'm like, okay, well, this is something that has meant something to people. So let me dig at this a little bit more, see what see what else I can find in this type of area. Um, or you know, a song that just like is so fun to play live and like people are moving to every night, you know. Like um, you know, like there's a there's a new song. Actually we just put it out today. It's it's called Seconds. Oh yeah, and yeah. Great song. It's like one of my favorite songs on the record, but I also did not think it should be a single. I was like, this is just an album track. Uh my wife like pushed really hard for it to be a single. You know, we we own the label together. So uh, you know, I, t- I took her I took her word for it. And um, you know, we started playing it live already on this previous tour in Australia. And it was like the highlight of the live show for me. I was like, this song is now going going to be a permanent stable of the live show because it's so fucking fun to play. Oh and, damn. Yeah. And like, you know, getting that immediate feedback from playing it live and and seeing people like moving to it, a song that they've never heard before, uh, you know, that kind of, you know, uh, immediate feedback is really useful and helpful. And it's not like I'm trying to, I'm like, okay, this is like a great product. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, this is really, this is really resonating with people. So, like, you know, I, I, I get to lean into this and it's fun.
0: Well, but do you think, and this was not intentional at all, I don't know how we got here, but like, do you think that's because this album is got heavy shit on it? It's like I mean, really heavy stuff.
1: Maybe, yeah. I mean, I guess my lyrics are more vague early on because I thought if I got too personal, it would almost be like alienating. Yeah. Because it's like okay, this is like too specific. Um but I realize like the more specific you can be with your lyrics, the more people are even going to feel it because there's so many like shared human experiences in all of these types of moments that I think everybody has, you know, and even if it's like This is the way that this happened in my life. It's probably happened to someone else in their life in a slightly different way, but in a way that is still going to be, you know, they can still latch on to, to what I'm saying there, what I'm expressing. I mean, that,
0: that to me is like the best, at least for me, that's how I connect with art is knowing the, the life that the person lived and what they experienced that led them to create that. Right. Like, you know. Like so, example, like my mom is. She's doing way better now, but she, you know, she surprised us over the holidays, letting us know she had breast cancer and she had to get a double mastectomy. And my dad is in the process of 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 dying. You know, all these things are happening to where it's like I'm, you know, and people who've listened to this, I've shared this stuff before. Um, like it's heavy stuff that's on my life, and so I'm not so much like trying to figure out or complaining about. The L train and something stupid that existed when I lived in Brooklyn. But like now it's like, okay, like I have a daughter and she's into music all of a sudden, and I have a son, and you know, I'm at that level of my life where I'm becoming the parent to my parents and trying to figure out how I'm supposed to be a parent to my own kids. And so like hearing even whispers of that in music for me makes one makes me feel that I'm not alone because even though we're so connected online, I don't think the depth of our relationships with individuals have really increased. If anything, it's decreased. And so like that, knowing that there's empathy, right, I think is is what pushes my relationship with art more than ever.
1: Yeah. And I think that's like, you know, the whole point of art too is like I'm feeling these things or I'm experiencing these things that are so overwhelming that I'm I'm overflowing with the way that I feel about it or obsessing over thinking about this that like I just have to get this out there. Like the pressure's too high. Like art Mm. has to be the expression, you know, and uh I think for a lot of people that can be going to therapy, um, which I've never done and I could probably benefit really? from but yeah. no i see oh i'm okay i'm shocked it sounds yeah. like you we've been through it
0: maybe yeah. you just have a good relationship with your wife <laughs> there you go like there's some, there's some health there
1: yeah it's just i don't know i've I, music has always been the place that i can turn to when I'm having a hard time, which is funny because like, if you listen to my lyrics, my whole life probably sounds like a hard time, which it's not. (laughs) My (laughs) my struggle. (laughs) Music is just where I can get it out though, you know? So it's like, I turn to music for that. So, so, you know, yeah, the lyrics end up being heavy as a result.
0: Yeah, but I would say there's, it's, you know, again, because as someone who's listened to more or less, you're the library of Beach Fossils. I think there's a lot of your music, and you've talked about this too, it's very happy, especially early on. Yeah. But at the time when you were writing that, correct me if I'm wrong, you were like the most depressed you had ever been.
1: Yeah, it was escapism. That's Yeah. Yeah. And I was kind of worried that like, once I got married and and, you know, my music career took off and I started like having a more stable life. I was like, Am I gonna like not have anything to write about anymore? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's true. I mean, there's there's a
0: reason why a lot of people like have stunted adulthood is they feel like if they they settle down, I'm air quoting, um, they they don't have anything that makes them relatable anymore. Right.
1: But you know, I think like. No matter what, you can't escape the human experience. You know, you can't escape pain. You can't escape death. Bars. You you know, (laughs) you can't escape all of the things that just make you a human. And you're constantly vulnerable, you know, uh, just a bag of flesh, (laughs) (laughs) just trying trying to go through day to day, you know. And um, I think that experience is extremely nuanced and it can be beautiful and it can be really hard. And And the most important thing for me is through lyrics, expressing that, expressing the good and the bad in the same song and even in the same line, because that whole balance is just what makes it what it is. I mean, that that's just the truth at the end of the day.
0: Do you think about your daughter listening to your music when she's older and being like, yo, what's going on with my dad?
1: Yeah, Definitely. I was worried about that a little bit. There were some nights where like, I couldn't sleep after we had like mastered the record because I was like, okay, the record's done. It's been sent out to the pressing plant. It's being made. Like, I can't make any more changes. And I was like, should I have not put that line on oh. this record? Because when my daughter gets old enough to listen to it, she's going to have questions that I'm going to have to explain, which it's okay. I'm okay explaining it. But I really hope that I'm not setting a bad example because like I, your whole thing when you have a kid is like, you want them to be the best version of a human being that can possibly exist. Mm-hmm. And you want to do everything you can to make that right. And it's so scary knowing that I've like publicly potentially like said things about myself or my life and like put these flaws out there in a way that like everyone can see it. My whole family can see it, you know? And it's like, but you can't worry about that. That's the thing is like when you're working on something, you can't think about that. It has to be just you and the art. And, and if it's going to be embarrassing or tough to talk about, then that's more the reason to keep it in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that therein lies every artist's dilemma. I mean, in that issue, because like, I think about that a ton with my dad. Like, so, you know, during one of the things that happened during COVID is my mom was like, hey, like my dad used to be in a band. He played with um, the dudes in America. He like Uh wrote a bunch of, you know, it's very like 80s synth pop stuff. It's, it's actually some of it's fucking great. There's some of it that's not good at all. I'll just be honest. But like, there's stuff on there that's really, really good. And my mom was like, hey, could you find a way to like get this online? Like get this on Spotify, like. Figure it out. And I had this total different understanding of my dad because you know how like so I was using like TuneCore and um, and so you can actually type in the lyrics and that way the lyrics show up when people are searching for it and stuff like that. And so I didn't have the lyrics. So I was listening to the words and typing the lyrics as I heard them. Wow. And so like you have this different level of understanding in the music. And this is my dad when he's in his like late 20s. And he's like singing about stuff. He's singing about like being a parent, like not really wanting to do it. Um, like, But there was this really beautiful vulnerability that existed. And I'm so grateful for that, even though the stuff that I heard was not really what I wanted to hear because I can't have that conversation with them now. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And so I I say this one to cheer you on in the sense that like, I think that that is what will give like a a bigger appreciation and empathy. I mean, the key with all this stuff is empathy, you know, with, with your daughter or additional kids, I don't know, whatever you guys are going to do, you know, but like, that's, that's the heavy shit is you're like, oh man, like my parents were human. Yeah. And it makes me reevaluate obviously now I'm sure like, do you, look back at your parents i mean you know and and the the intentions that they had for better or for worse when it's like man they were just trying to like get by and do and and you know and raise you right whatever that looks like
1: yeah i mean my parents are both musicians and they still email me songs regularly my dad just emailed me a song last night and you oh, know my so mom cool. like just uh, they like just mastered like a record that she was working on and like my dad produced it so they're still making music and you know my mom's lyrics are like very personal like extru- like the most personal lyrics you can imagine because like she doesn't do it professionally and there's yeah. no expectation of an audience so oh, it's wow. like it's it's like the most personal lyrics that could ever happen um, and, and, uh, you know, I take from that and I, and I, I'm inspired by that. And, um, even to a point where I'm, I listened to it and I'm like, I don't think I could even get that personal in my, in my own lyrics oh, because there's yeah. like too many people listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's beautiful, you know, cause like the, these songs that she just finished up are songs that she's been writing like since I was a baby and she finally recorded them. You know, like, after all this time. Um, wow. And it's so cool, because it's like, I grew up hearing these songs to the point that they were just, like, background music almost, because she was always playing guitar. And now that I'm older, I listen to the lyrics, and I, I get a lot of new meaning out of it, especially after becoming a parent myself.
0: Yeah. Like, did did you have any hand in getting that music made? I mean, because even though you said you weren't trained or anything, I mean, you're a pretty accomplished, you know, musician in terms
1: of how you're recording and making music. <laughs> well... <laughs> Like when I was a kid, I had an interest in music uh, just because there's like generations of music in my family my yeah, yeah. my mom and and grandfather uh, you know they're they're from Cuba so my grandfather's a percussionist and a singer um, and you know my mom kind of grew up in that musical household and so by nature I did as well and um so it was always something open for me to explore and um you know i started playing like picked up the guitar in the house like when i was 8 and just started playing and my dad was like do you want to get lessons and i was like no i don't like i was like very very against getting lessons cuz i was worried that someone would like come in and change my style or my approach uh. <laughs> and like i i like very early on like immediately started experimenting with alternate tunings and just oh boy. like you know well, getting like, like- dad gad and shit or just like making shit up like I didn't even know about that yet you know I was just like oh if I like put these in this tuning this sounds really cool and I like was writing songs in open tunings um and so it was always like this just like personal approach and and um when I was in middle school my dad gifted me like an old four track of his and um, oh yeah I mean that summer like I was writing like three songs a day probably, you know, just like recording. Do you still have stuff. that stuff? I do actually. <laughs> okay. Hell yeah. yeah. Good. Good. It's really, it's like, um, the I, basement tapes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well at the time I was like into new metal, you know, so it's just like me like playing distorted, you know, detuned guitar uh just screaming with like a very a very high child voice just because you were back. into
0: raging against the machine right isn't that that's what kind of
1: yeah, my dad had like a rage against the machine tape and that kind of changed that's my so life crazy. in a way <laughs> and like my uncle had given me like a ministry tape and like like filth pig like like ministry yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> psalm sixty nine oh my- and, uh, you know, that's the stuff I was getting into. And, you know, my dad was really into Pantera and White Zombie and stuff. So, Oh, my God. That was, like, kind, okay. of, kind of my first, like, relationship with, with, like, music and making music.
0: Yeah, my dad loved Tool.
1: Yeah, same. My dad was cute. I mean, and I, I, like, I went and saw Tool what? with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I remember my dad was like, man, Manor James Keenan, and and, you know, he was, I think this, I was a little bit older, but Lateralist had just come out, and there's a song called Schism, Yeah, and um, it's this weird sort of rolling bass lick, and you know, he was, uh, my dad was always obsessed with like the production quality, and always snare drums, he'd be like, listen to that snare, he's like, you know how hard it is to get a a snare sound like that? It's true, yeah, (laughs) I listen to the snare
1: all the time. (laughs) <laughs> Especially when I'm out at a restaurant, you know, it's like kind of hard to hear what's going on, but you hear the drums, and I'm like, man, that snare sounds really good. I'm like, yeah, right, like, yeah. There's so much stuff too that even now, and I mean,
0: some folks who hear this, I've talked about this a ton. Where I like, I got a, um, I got a, uh, a DAC, um, so I could listen to high res audio stuff because i was like all the music i listen to is on airpods at yeah. you know shitty bit rate i'm not you know i'm not getting the full experience then i then i was beating myself up saying that i wasn't respecting the artist all of a sudden because i'm not listening to it in the environment they want it which is i recognize is not imposed but like you know and i started really sitting and like instead of watching a movie i would sit and listen to an album totally. and it like fucking blew my mind and now all I want to do, you know, cause like I know the Destiner twins, uh, and like the national folks from, from, uh, 4AD era. And, um, I like feel like I can't do their music justice unless I sit and listen to it start to finish and is the highest bit rate I can and really like analyze it. And I'll like, you know, write little notes. And even though, I mean, I, I don't really connect with any of Matt's lyrics at all um no shots or anything but just like trying to experience their art in a certain way and it just like when you think now of like all the tools that are available to people for production and what stuff still comes out of it I, I don't know i'm just always really really inspired it makes me want to make music even though all i do is play jim croce songs for my kids like
1: that's cool though. you know
0: yeah i mean it's yeah i i i i uh i tried and and uh, it didn't work and it's fine you know but um yeah i don't know i think about that stuff a ton of just like trying to listen to it and like the artist's intention you
1: yeah know? But, i mean i you know that's how i listen to music too and so It takes me a really long time when an artist I love puts out a new album like I've literally gone maybe like a span of like six months to like two years even to like getting around to listening to it because I'm like I need to have time where no one's going to bother me and I can just put this on and like lay down on my bed or lay down on the floor with my headphones and just listen to it beginning to end like two or three times in a row. Because that's yeah. the only way I'm gonna understand it. And I wanna be able to take everything in. Cause those first few listens, it's like it's like when you first you can't take like one sip of wine and just be like, I know what this is about. You know? You gotta come back to it a few times and, and yeah, you know, it's different every time. And and um I don't expect people to do that with my music. Um, but that's the way that I listen to other people's music, and that's the way that I listen to my own music when I have finished a record as well, because that's the only way that I can even understand what this album is, you know? Otherwise, there's like not enough context. Yeah. If there were like three albums off the top of your head that
0: that you would recommend someone listen to start (laughs) to finish uninterrupted, what would it be?
1: Mm, It's hard. Probably like uh, Velvet Underground, like self-titled. Oh, okay. Um, Didn't expect that one. Yeah. I mean... Maybe it's like an obvious pick, but I th- maybe it's obvious for like a reason.
0: Uh, I figured you'd say Blood on the Tracks or something. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a great one. Um, I think Stereolab Dots and Loops. Okay. That's... Now we're talking. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's one that is just like, I think, really important to listen to beginning to end.
0: Um, okay. Stereolab, I have a theory. They're the most like one of the most underrated, unappreciated bands. And yeah. they're totally aware of it. And I feel like they write music to stay in that realm.
1: Well, Tim Gain, like, what is like such an amazing artist because the trajectory of the music that he made is like so fucking cool. Because the first project that he had was a harsh noise project. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's awesome. And that's a, already a great way to start making music. Then the second project was McCarthy, which is like one of the biggest inspirations on like Beach Fossil's music, just like jangly, 12 string guitar music, very political lyrics. Um, Yeah. Yep. You know, just... Incredible. And then Stereo Lab, which is just like, you can't touch it. You know, like if you're listening to Stereo Lab and you want to listen to something else that sounds like Stereo Lab that isn't Stereo Lab after, there's not many options. You know, you have, you know, like broadcast and stuff like that. But it's like yeah. they really have such a beautiful, specific sound that like no one can really do in the same way. Co- so
0: Cobra and Phases is, is probably one of my favorite albums, which was Jim O'Rourke was on that. And um, I don't think I understood it better until maybe the past few years and that was an album that i got early on for cool points with other friends but i didn't get and so i would like pretend that i was super into yeah like dots and loops and, and and emperor tomato ketchup and all that stuff but like even the song Emperor Tomato Ketchup, like it's like a six minute intro. Yeah. You know, of the same fucking chord over and yeah, over again. Yeah. And like I would pretend that I really understood it and I had no <laughs> idea. And I thought it was a trash song. Yeah. But it was only <laughs> <laughs> until recently that I've been like, damn, like I yeah, Stereolab to this day continues to be like some of the most perplexing stuff I've ever heard.
1: It's cool. I mean, they combine a lot of awesome different types of elements. Like there's psychedelic music, there's lounge yep. music, there's kraut rock, there's yep. uh I mean it You know, there's elements of shoegaze like there's so many different kinds of things going on at once uh, and they do it in a way that feels so effortless. Yeah, it's it's
0: incredible. And and here's the other thing, which we'll, we'll talk about. I don't know of a band that looked cooler than them. Yeah. And like people are going to say craftwork, but it's like a uniform with all due respect. I, I don't think a uniform it, it is, especially a uniform is like goofy as theirs. Right. I don't think that is like personal style. Yeah. But like Stereo Lab, honestly, I think you guys are up there and I don't know if there's intention behind it. A lot of people are going to say Turnstile is like the coolest looking band now, but I don't yeah. I don't know if, if it's purposeful or not but i feel like your guys is it's it's non intentional therefore there's more attitude <laughs> behind it or or truth behind it i don't know
1: yeah yeah well you know i feel like you know you just got to like you just got to wear what you love so do you
0: when you guys are okay you were just in australia how much thought goes into like tour stage clothes and gear or are you like i grab the shirt that fits i put it in the bag and i go
1: well yeah i don't wear things on stage that i don't just like wear in normal life like when you see me on stage, like I've been wearing that all day. I was in the airport with it, you know? Um, really? Yeah. I don't want to like put on a different persona because that defeats the purpose. Like, cause for me, it's like beach fossils is like uh, all about self-expression and like the lyrics are just like personal and self-expression. So like, why would I put on a different character of myself on stage mm. than I am off stage? I, I, I try to be okay. the same person everywhere I go. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's definitely thought behind it. You know, like I care about what I wear. Um, you know, I, I uh, my style is like kind of always evolving. And I'm, but I'm always trying to d- dress in a way that is very like simple and understated, yet like expresses who I am. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know. So I don't know as I've gotten older it's just been like a blend of a lot of different things um you know I mean for the past like 8 years or so like I've just been like black tims goes with literally everything it's easy you can wear it in the snow you can wear it in the summer like it's effective it goes with any <laughs> kind of pant <laughs> True. And like, I don't wear True. jeans anymore. I just started wearing dress pants because they're more comfortable and they look better. They also go with everything. And I'm like, I don't know, just throw on a t-shirt, open button up or just like a simple jacket. Just go back. Dang. Like, I'm very, ins- I'm very inspired by like, like a uh, sixties mod style. Yeah. Um, that is, that's like some of the coolest way I think anybody can dress, um, you know? And uh, you know, that kind of style is just like sharp. It's easy. It's timeless. It's never going to look bad. You're never going to look at a picture of a mod and be like, what were they wearing? Why were they wearing that? That looks so stupid. It's just like, it just <laughs> looks so fucking cool. It's timeless. You can't beat it. You know, it's like classy, but they also look like they could kick your ass. Yeah. You know, it's like a rugged kind of handsomeness.
0: <laughs> Have you guys gotten hit up by like Gucci or brands to dress you yet? Because I feel like the, the Eddie Slimane, St. Laurent thing is going to happen soon.
1: Uh, We haven't, but um, but I don't know. I. I'm very careful about the way that I um that I come across to people, you know, because like I never want to seem like too cool or like unapproachable or something, you know? Like I I like I hate rock and roll. I really fucking hate <laughs> rock and roll. And like I hate Wait,
0: define define rock and roll real quick so I think people understand this.
1: Uh you know, like Aerosmith and Guns N' Roses and stuff, I guess. Like I don't okay. know. It's just really not my thing. And yeah, yeah, um yeah. you know, it's just too It's just like all ego and, um, (laughs) you know, I just I just feel like a lot of times when bands start getting styled by like brands, they just start to look like really rock and roll. And like the only time I ever think it looks cool is when it's rappers, because like rappers naturally just like look fucking cooler. They carry themselves in like a way that's like effortlessly cool. And mm-hmm. like, they're not trying to be a rock star. They just like literally are a fucking badass. And like, <laughs> there's no faking the personality. You, you know, like, you can dress up like a corny indie rock band and like make them look cool, but they're not going to actually look cool. They're just going to look like the clothes is going to be wearing them. Whereas like, oh, damn. You know, like a rapper in Gucci, like they're fucking wearing the clothes. The clothes isn't wearing them. You know, I just like, I don't ever want to dress in a way that I think doesn't represent me you know it's like what's the point this whole fucking thing if you see a picture of me me. i don't want you to see a picture of somebody else or a representation okay so the music video for don't fade
0: away the suit yeah banging suit thanks how much how much thought was was placed into that or were
1: you just like well i'm just really into suits i have like 10 suits no, I probably have more. Okay. I probably have like 15 suits. It's it's kind of excessive. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Wait, where where are you getting your suits? Uh all kinds of different places. Now I get them custom made. I get them like uh you know, I have my measurements and uh From who? Uh this site called uh Studio Suits. It's kind of like you just oh, put okay. in your measurements and they have like hundreds if not thousands of different like materials and and patterns and stuff. So I get all my pants made there. It like literally every pair of pants I made, I wear is from there. Um Cause it's like your measurements are safe. So anytime I want a new pair of pants, I already know it's going to fit perfectly. So I do that. And um yeah, I got a bunch of suits, Uh, you know, I have like a bunch of, you know, I don't go that crazy. I've got like a Dolce & Gabbana suit, but I've got like, uh, you know, just like the Ralph Lauren suits are classic. They're simple. They fit well. They're not too tight. They're not too big, you know? And I feel like, yeah, to me, it's like if there's an element of like sort of dressed up, but sort of tough, That that's like the best combination.
0: Yeah. I, a, when I think about like, like Jack White or the White Stripe stuff. Like those those folks like and I've met Jack, you know, before where it's like there there is a persona of them playing live. Yeah. Like that's like that's not how Jack dresses. Right. You know, in real life or whatever. And I like I remember when I learned that I was a little bummed.
1: Yeah. Like, I, th- you're like, I Dang. think like <laughs> I don't know. You know, the thing that really bugs me, I guess, is a lot of the uh, emphasis on it being entertainment okay. cuz like to me it's like at that point it becomes like a fucking vegas show or something you know it's like what's the point yep. like why <laughs> you know like who cares the point is the private jets yeah. and the and the i guess so. <laughs> no, <that's> the... <laughs> i just like i have no interest in just like being an entertainer for entertainer for entertainment's sake um, mm. you know, like I love being an entertainer. I mean, it's part of what I do. I go on stage and I have a fucking wild time and we play a rowdy show and we have a lot of fun. But like none of that's fake and none of that's planned. You know, like it's all spontaneous, and we're just up there having fun. And like, if we're not having fun, I'm not gonna fake it. You know?
0: Yeah. Have you had to uh, cancel a bunch of shows or anything? To like, did COVID mess you guys up too much?
1: We had to reschedule a tour a few times, but it's okay. You know, it ended up working out. I, but like everyone did. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But like, you know, non-kind of COVID times-related, I try to never cancel shows. You know, I think I've only done it like one or two times because like I was injured and had to go to the hospital or something you know like i never i never want to cancel like i've played i've had extremely awful food poisoning to the point that i thought i was maybe gonna die twice Mm -hmm. and i've played shows both times and i can't believe i did it and i but it's like i'm in like taiwan or something you know and i'm like when am i gonna be back here let me just fucking play the show (laughs)
0: <laughs> so you had like flu games you had Jordan flu games basically
1: I've like I've played a show where I'm like I may need to run off stage and like throw up or shit you know <laughs> <laughs> but like you know I want to play the show it's fun yeah I mean I get it,
0: I get it. <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's gotta be nuts I don't know like I've had that stuff happen before where it's like whenever I would play shows which were never to be that big of people I mean I think We play like Bowery or I think maybe the 930 Club, like the older one was maybe like one of the bigger ones we did. And I had like just crazy like anxiety and stomach issues like and I just couldn't I couldn't swing it. And so I'm like literally like, okay, like if I this is my code, which is like someone do something so I can go to the bathroom.
1: Yeah, (laughs) there have been like maybe two times that I've wanted to walk off stage mid show. Um, But I feel like I owe it to myself and the people who have paid to come to the show to not do that. Yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, there, you know, there was a time where we were like very deep on tour towards the end of the tour where like things have just gone really sour. This was like an old lineup, like people who aren't in, in the band anymore. And, you know, there mm-hmm. were like actual like physical fights and stuff happening, like, <laughs> oh, you know, backstage or the night before or whatever. And it's just like, we don't want to be here right now, you know? <laughs> and like, <laughs> I just want to fucking go home right now. But I owe it, yeah, I owe it to everybody to to finish the show, you know and and um you know, whatever's happening off stage, whatever like sour experiences we're having, like the show is the most important part, and that's the part where I can still have fun, so like let me at least have this like hour and a half, yeah, yeah, it goes back to the whole thing where it's like this always starts as a hobby, it starts as fun, and uh yeah, if you start losing that, it's just like it it sucks cuz like music is music is like the most important thing in my life and if it got so big that it was like out of my control or out of my hands i wouldn't even want to do it anymore you know like mm. I, I have to continue doing it for me otherwise there's no purpose
0: do you ever write songs that you're like this is a great song i'm never going to release it
1: yeah i have a lot of that i mean oh, i man. i have like hundreds of demos on my computer and there are songs that within the band we consider like Beach Fossil's classics. Like every time we get together for practice or whatever, we play these songs. And for some reason, we've just never put them on a record and maybe never will. And I don't really know why. Maybe it just doesn't feel like it fits on a record or maybe it feels mm. like it's been too long. Um, But in a way, it's kind of nice that we have these songs that are just for us. Yeah, I mean, I about that a lot too when you think about other
0: you know everyone uses like the Beatles as an example to where it's like when they stopped trying to constrain themselves by what they could perform live yeah. and just started making music there was a, a different you know
1: thing that was tapped in them yeah you can experiment with like whatever I mean that's like uh yeah we, we did a lot of that like with Somersault we were like okay yeah. we're just gonna make a record for the sake of a record and we'll figure out how to play it live after it's done and even with this new record like this one is kind of more simple. Bunny is like more of like a return to form. It's yeah. more stripped down. But the problem is there's so many alternate tunings that Uh-oh. like we're figuring out how we're going to do it live because it's like we're going to have to either bring like a million guitars or bring like a guitar tech or you know, we're going to have to figure out because uh the fucked up thing is like like I was telling you earlier we write a lot of songs in parts so it's like uh-huh. the bridge is in a different tuning than like the chorus or the verse. They're like, what? It's So like, you'd have to switch a guitar mid song? It's like multiple alternate tunings. So what we're doing <laughs> is we have to find a new alternate tuning that wasn't on the recording where you can play both of those parts on it. And it's really complicated. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But we just were, you know, yeah, we were just doing it for the sake of the song at the time. We're like, we'll figure it out. Later. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say that that's uh that's definitely gonna
0: add a, a layer in there. Yeah, I have some Jeez, where nice. like
1: there there's one song where um this is on May first from Somersault where when we play it live, I actually like have to play the first part of the song with a capo and I have to take it off while I'm playing and like continue playing the next part. And there's like no other way for me to do it.
0: <laughs> oh man. There you go. Yeah. I mean that's yeah, d- definitely time for a guitar tech.
1: Yeah. It's fun though. It keeps me on my toes, you know?
0: Yeah. So you're gonna tour what, like next month?
1: No. Um We actually have like the majority of the summer off, which is awesome because we're never here for the summer. We're always touring. So, um, yeah, I believe the tour is going to be this fall. Hasn't been announced yet. It's still being worked on. But, uh, yeah, we're going to like have a few months home before, you know, after the record's out, people can take some time to digest it. We can have some time home chill for a little bit and then hit the road nonstop for the next like year and a half. Jeez Louise. <laughs> are you,
0: are you going to tour like through the smaller cities and stuff too? Cause I feel like, so I, I live in St. Louis now. I used to live in New York. for. We lived in Brooklyn for like, I don't know, 16 some odd years. Yeah. Loved it. Um, moved during COVID. Now I'm in New York once a month um, for like recording or traveling or whatever. Yeah and uh but the cool thing is like seeing bands here in st louis yeah yeah it's it's way cheaper the venues are better they're cleaner they're um i mean i don't know like i'm pretty biased now but like yeah i'm gonna go see like robin Fleet foxes in like a month at a brand new beautiful venue you know like phoebe came through here and you know i mean it's just i don't know but like i i'm curious like but some folks are like, yeah, well, I don't want to fucking roll through St. Louis and Omaha. Right, right. But it's like, you'll still sell way more merch than you would with the people that you had to comp to get into the big city shows. That's
1: true. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina and like bands would skip over us all the time. They go to like DC or Atlanta or something. And then yeah. when someone would come to Charlotte, like, you know, I mean, it was just like the most exciting thing. Like me and all my friends and everybody, we would all go to the show. We would go fucking ape shit, you know? And like yeah. Those kind of shows are so fun to play because it's like, you know, like Florida, for example, we go down to Florida. It's like, it's hard for bands to go down there because there's there's no way out. Once you go down, you, you got yeah. go to go just go back up through it. So it's like, you know, you go down there, people are so ready for, for music that like they just go nuts and it's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hopefully you guys get to hit those uh, other cities. I mean, I'm sure that's a better yeah, yeah. setup. Yeah. It's still
1: being worked on um, right now. So I don't know like the full details, but yeah,
0: yeah that'll be cool um what what are the plans for the summer? so like you basically the album's about done you're probably in press mode right now
1: yeah and then what are you gonna do? are you you uh, taking time off with the kids you guys leaving town or yeah that's pretty much it you know just get to have a summer like home with the family and get to chill for a little bit before I'm gone for a long time uh you know I don't know summer in New York is amazing. It's like it's crazy. Really? I love it, dude. It's like a it's like a fucking party. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess like if you have central air and shit, yeah, yeah. You know, but like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I got the mini splits. I'm good. <laughs> okay, there you
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, i do think it is funny because like most of the rich people piece out and then you know. Brooklyn in the summer is pretty great. Yeah. Tons of restaurants, yeah. tons of places just chill and lie low. Like, yeah. I mean it's yeah, it's true. There's 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 a good vibe out there.
1: Yeah, it's a good time.
0: Um do you like what are you doing to kind of like recharge then? Is it like, do you make more music? Do do you ever stop? Or is it like, you know, the door stays closed and now you're, I don't know, rewatching the wire or playing video
1: games? Uh it's a little bit of all of that. Yeah. It's like I never really stop making music, but um, I think I need to I'm in the process right now of kind of like revamping my social life because, like, after COVID lockdown and having a kid and finishing yep. this new record, I've had no time to like see friends or hang out with people or anything. I've just been, like, so busy. So um I think this summer is going to be the summer of, like, just hanging out with friends, you know? Just laying in the park, chilling, fucking yeah. doing all the things that I need to do. Also working on music, also playing video games, just living my life for me. Oh, wait, because... you do play video games. What do you play? Oh, I'm not that big of a gamer. I just play Switch. I just love Mario Kart and Mario Party and stuff. I, I play, like, socially. I just, like, you know, okay, it's fun to say... just get, like, a big group of people over and just, like, have some drinks and just, you know, play some Nintendo.
0: Get ready for uh... Friday, New Zelda. It's the whole half the world's going to shut down playing this fucking game. See, I can't do the Um, like
1: big, long, immersive games like that because, like, um,
0: because you're an adult. No,
1: I just like (laughs) I uh, I've I'm really ADD, and like growing up, I've never been able to like focus on a game that like is too long or too involved, especially if it's single player. It's kind of like a like I can't read novels. That's just like why I read poetry. I'm just like I have no attention span. So I need, like, oh. I need those quick, like, dopamine bursts of just, like, a, a Mario Kart race.
0: Um, who do you think is one of the most, like, underrated poets? If someone's like, man, all right, this was great, Dustin's G, what's a poet I should check out?
1: Um, I have two in my head, but the problem okay. is I, get into, I got into poetry by myself, so I literally don't even know how to pronounce their names. So I don't even want to say it here because I'm just going to botch it. <laughs> Fair. I'll text you later. Totally fine. Okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's uh yeah, that's a that's a very real thing. I've I've had that happen where uh, I'm like trying to. I I used to. I mean, I was never like big into Nietzsche or
1: whatever, yeah. but I was like Nietzsche. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And people People like you,
0: clown. <laughs> well, the
1: thing is, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, like. I didn't go to school for, for this kind of stuff. Like, I got into poetry on my own, and um, I just dig deeper and deeper. And, like, I don't have any fucking friends that are into poetry. Like, I don't know anybody that reads poetry. So, for me, it's just, like, it's just a very personal interest that I have. And I don't have anyone to talk to about it. So, like, I get into, like, some... Poetry Club. The Beach Fossils Poetry be sick, Club. Man. Start it up. Yeah. yeah, I get into, like, a lot of weird fucking books that like are kind of hard to find and and i literally don't know how to pronounce the name of the author
0: (laughs) um you know okay here's a very underrated poet uh
1: billy corgan oh yeah dude
0: dead serious crazy good shit
1: (laughs) i just cut him off in the security line at the airport in australia on accident because i didn't even see him what? How did you not see him? He's, like, 10 feet tall. <laughs> I, just, I just, like, had my blinders on, you know? It's the airport, and, like, I was, like, trying Fair. to get through security, and they were, like, opening the little thing to let some people through, and I was, like, nah, fuck that. I was here first, so I just, like, went through as fast <laughs> as I could, and then later, when my bandmates met up with me past the security, they were, like, you just cut off Billy Corgan online. I was, like, I didn't even see him, uh, but we went to oh the little God. virgin club, and, um... Jane's Addiction and Smashing Pumpkins were both back there because they were touring at the same time as us and uh, we saw James Eha back there and I was like fucking geeking out. I was like, I'm not going to say what's up to him. I'm not going to be a punisher, but like, I just am stoked that I'm in the presence of this dude right now. Wait, okay. Wouldn't you want that? So, Say you're in the
0: lounge and there is a total beach fossils, beachhead, whatever you want to call them, and they're losing their shit that you're there. Wouldn't it be nice if that person came up to you and was like, hey, your music is a big deal for me and I appreciate it. Wouldn't you get like a little pep in your step to, or would you be like Fuck to off? me
1: i would find it like extremely meaningful and i would like engage in the conversation and have fun but i think like if you're in the Smashing Pumpkins and you've been doing it for decades, like you're probably in the Virgin Club because like, you don't want someone to come up to you. I don't know. Mm. He does seem okay. like a chiller, though. I mean, he looks like a very nice guy. You just look at him and you're like, I could fucking hang out with this guy. Maybe we'll cross paths yeah. again eventually. Dude,
0: you got to do it. There's, there's your challenge because yeah. <laughs> you're going to hit the road. I'm sure you're going to play festivals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just hit him up. I don't know.
1: Maybe I'll make it happen.
0: I will say, though. There's been issues in the past where I have gone at people where I thought they would be really receptive. And I I like, I know how to talk to someone without, you know, it's not like I'm in their face. I don't want autographs. I don't want pictures. But a lot of times I want to be like, hey, this, this was important to me. Thank you. Yeah. It's just a thank you. And occasionally I've gotten like, what? You know, and it's, uh, yeah, I been a few um, times I've dropped some albums because of that.
1: I usually like, I usually will only talk to someone like that if there's an introduction, you know, if we have like mutual friends. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and then I'm like, okay, I, you know, there's like a reason for me to be talking to this person and not just be a punisher, but you know, every now and then I'll go out like we we played a festival and it was like, um, you know, one of the versions of black flag with Keith Morris. And he was like my favorite singer of black flag. I fucking love circle jerks and stuff. And I saw him backstage and I went up to him and I was just like, you know, wanted to say what's up. And like, he did not give a fuck. And like, I don't blame (laughs) him for not giving a fuck because the thing is I didn't have, you should, I didn't have anything to say i was just like i can't believe he's here right now i just want to say what's up and like it was just like i didn't have anything original to say i was just like you- but you didn't want anything from him right no did, did you want a photo did you want an no autograph no i or never something? want anything so, i just wanted yeah. to be like well, exactly. you are like a huge inspiration and and i fucking love your work and that was kind of it but it's like you know he's probably heard that 10 million times he's probably sick of it that, but that's i mean
0: I, i'll say this that's what he makes a living off of. right so I, that's completely fair yeah to say thank you to someone if he was like because if he was in the middle of arguing with someone on the phone right. or he's with family or he's with a kid right, right. you know like that's that's a whole separate totally. thing but when he's at the place he's gonna do the work yeah. and you're thanking him for yeah. it no man no <laughs> no no pass for him
1: i'll, I'll still Point give him deduction. a pass i'm just such a big fan that i'm all right with it
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well uh dustin thank you thank you very very much for chatting uh this was this was great yeah it was great thank meeting you so you. much see ya. You've been listening to Blammo. A special thanks to Dustin and the crew over at Beach Fossils. Their new album, Bunny, is out now wherever you listen to music. Buy the LP, stream it, support the homies, do what you're going to do. If you like what you heard, you know the drill. Share the pod with a friend, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, do all the deals. Follow us on Instagram for the hot content. If you want to give us your hot take, we'd love to hear from you. Or you can email us at info at blamopod.com. Thanks so much, everybody. We will be back soon.